Who said there's no such thing as free lunch? With ForkSpot, it's happy hour every hour. ForkSpot is a new food ordering app started right here in LA that allows you to order food in advance straight from the app and pick it up to take home with ease. On top of that, ForkSpot has a reward system for every restaurant you visit in their app, which means that if you visit the same restaurant five times, you'll get a $5 credit. Plus, ForkSpot has an exclusive partnership with these restaurants to offer you up to 30% off in discounts when you dine there. Right now, Fork ForkSpot is active in LA and San Diego, but is soon coming to Seattle, Chicago, and New York. Listeners of our show can use promo code MEEKLY to get a $15 credit immediately. No exclusions. No minimums. Just $15 to gorge yourself and feel great about it at your favorite restaurant using the ForkSpot app. Available for download now in the App Store or on Google Play or at ForkSpot.com. That name again is ForkSpot. Promo code MEEKLY. Now on with the show. And I'd like to thank Phoebe Judge of the Criminal Podcast for doing that ad. Thank you very much, Phoebe, for stopping by. (laughs) Who's Phoebe? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fiddle. Here comes a ticket. And there goes my donation to cure cancer. And to think they were only $80 away. Sir, are you aware of how fast you were going? Legal miles per hour? Huh. Are you sober? Oh. <laughs> Wait till my pastor hears this one. Yeah, I'm sober. Sir, just understand, you're driving sober on the highway? Yeah. Sir, I'm going to be writing you a ticket. What's wrong with being sober on a freeway? Sir, I already explained this to you. This isn't a freeway. It's a highway. I thought I was on the 405. Nah, brah. You're on the 420. Hitler's birthday? No, not the Autobahn. The highway. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, ooh. And you gotta be high to drive on the highway. You must be high to be on the highway. You must be this high to be on the highway. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm high. I get it. I'm feeling it now. Whoa. The lifestyle of Willie Nelson adult swim humor so no ticket for me then all right good oh yeah well look at my tie dye tie dye <laughs> well look at it what do you see it looks too dirty wrong answer nothing's too dirty i'm writing you two tickets two tickets but i'm not even high i mean i am high Ooh, laser show you gotta get high right now because honestly i don't even trust you to drive safely in the puff puff passing lane please officer Danky dank stank stank. I don't want to get high. That's not who I am. Then you're going to the joint. No pun intended. Oh dear. What will my pastor think? I tried to live a straight edge life. Four straight edges combined at equal angles to make a square, which is me. I failed you, Pastor Ducci, on the left hand side. But to this roach, I regretfully say, I do be. Attaboy. Oh crap. Be cool. I'm being pulled over. Hold my marijuana. What's going on here? Are you too high? He is. He's holding marijuana. Shoot the square. He's a doper. He likes tie-dye. I do not. I think it looks dirty. He has munchies. I can see it on his lips. I have no appetite. I didn't know I was on the 420 until he pulled me over. Well, you both seem to be lost. You boys aren't on the highway. You're on heroin road. Yikes. Yikes. The only road where fuel injection comes in a syringe. Where Main Street intersects with Main Line. Where the TARS has blood. Black as the asphalt. Roll up your sleeves, boys. Why is he asleep? Oh, yeah, the heroin. Why are you asleep? Oh, yeah, the marijuana. Well, 
I'm just going to go home. How quickly before we get to the Beatles reference about this being episode 64. Oh, oh no, we did it. Oh, no, it happened immediately. (laughs) I don't know who the Beatles are. I've never... I'm more of a fan of Mark David Chapman, so I don't really know the Beatles' legacy. My my favorite band is uh, Jerry and the Pacemakers, (laughs) and my favorite pedestrian on the street is Mark David Chapman. (laughs) I'm a big fan of all their children. The Julians, the... The Shawns. The Shawns, and the uh, other And the rest, (laughs) and and the (laughs) Professor Harrison. Professor Harrison. (laughs) And Um, the Skipper McCartney. Not two references. A rough that once. That's that's some juggling you're doing there. I rent a reference college. <laughs> I took a class that just taught me how to do sixties references. <laughs> Sixty nine references. Gosh. Remember last month, <laughs> episode sixty four. That's why this started. You want to sing it or? <laughs> When I'm 64, Bob, Bob. That's all I remember from that song. And Eric Idle on the uh, Beatles documentary talking about, now I'm 64 and I get the song. <laughs> Shut up, I, uh, idiot. I didn't understand this song for the last 63 years. but Here I am. I, I understand. Mm-hmm. And Monty Python's not funny anymore. Now he has a revelation on camera. <laughs> Most of it was pretty racist. I admit, I'm big enough to admit that. I'm 64 now. I get it. Will you still find me racist and offensive <laughs> when you're 64? Okay, we're done with that. Hello. Hi. Are you, seriously, though, do you have it out of your system mm. oh boy well it was the most popular song by the most popular <laughs> it was not the it most was popular non- number song. one hit they sent that song into a capsule into space along with johnny be good and <laughs> bohemian rhapsody uh, what are we doing here how did we get here i think i might have had a stroke did you kidnap me my hands feel like chloroform that's what how happened? i get you for every episode I-, I wake you up in the middle of the night and i put a <laughs> chloroform bag over your head here read wikipedia 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 that's what week. this podcast should wikipedia. be called <laughs> someday <laughs> fudge oh hello meeklings oh my god i'm uh, obliged to say that by the meekling corporation you get six cents in your bank account direct deposit when you say meeklings oh i got it now i went to a talk by mr wonderful from shark tank so every six cents that goes in my bank account that's six cents not in your bank account i I hope that's your thing in the month is that you saw mr wonderful from shark tank and you got really annoyed because it was a hologram or something and then no 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 no. we were because it was like a two hour first of all we thought the whole thing was going to be two hours but it was a two hour sales pitch by other people to join their classes and then we were afraid Mr. Wonderful wasn't going to show up. And we looked online that said, like, I waited for two hours and a hologram of him showed up. Oh, boy. And then we saw that he owns a hologram company. And I was like, this might sound credible. Yeah. But then he showed up and he was boring. So he left. A question. What are my margins? Do you know for sure that it wasn't a hologram? No. Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> you said it's so defensive. <laughs> no, no. I, I, asked the, I asked a hologram. I was watching. I, I was watching his movements. Like, the holograms aren't this good. You should have threw something at him. <laughs> I shot an arrow straight <laughs> through him and that's how i know he was real he was sitting on the balcony watching at the fourth theater i thought i bet he's a hologram this, this guy's a hologram watch <laughs> oh, no. oh goodness, no i've changed the course of american history <laughs> to the book depository <laughs> there had to have been a second projector <laughs> Uh, by the way, you'll you'll like this. We're looking at wedding photography stuff right now. And uh-huh. when there's a photographer and when they have a second photographer, they're referred to as a second shooter. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. Yeah, get the angle from the grassy knoll. No, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, he likes to hold this uh, umbrella above the camera to keep the light out. No, 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 don't do it, don't do it. Don't do it. We'll get a shot of you two driving away. Two shots of you two driving away. <laughs> I've always wanted to have photos done at Dealey Plaza. 
our engagement photos. <laughs> anyway, that's not my thing of the month. Yeah. Let's uh, let's get into the th- of thing. Anyway, I want to go first go because first. I was afraid we were going to pick the same one. Yeah. And my thing of the month was going to a Kings game with you. Yay! You took me to a hockey game finally, and I brought all this yeah. Uh, yeah, warm yeah. wear. And it was yeah. <laughs> you were wearing fur pelts. <laughs> <laughs> I came like a, a Russian fur trader from uh, the 1700s. Duh. <laughs> you killed any Spaniard you saw. <laughs> There's some sort of lion on the ice, and I went after him. They're like, no, 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 no. His, you look his, warm. His fur's not worth anything. His pelt's not worth anything. Yeah, it was your first hockey game. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was uh, the worst Kings season in mm-hmm. almost a history. The game we went to, if they had they had won the game before, but if they had lost that game before, we would have been able to see them break their longest losing streak of all time. That's how much losers they are, is yeah. that they couldn't even do that. Yeah. They couldn't even achieve that. <laughs> they win just enough to lose. <laughs> it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. I usually yeah. don't enjoy, like um, I've said this to a lot of people, I don't enjoy back to forth sports, uh-huh. basketball, you, football, you like, hockey. Uh, I like my baseball. Yeah. It's all one way and we all a whole team of guys against one person one. <laughs> in the middle but uh, i really enjoyed it and i enjoyed uh that we were we had great seats which is almost all the way at the top there was no rows in front of yes. us and there wasn't really anyone around not us. really yeah and we were able to to talk s-word the whole time <laughs> and have fun and i didn't need to keep my eye on the puck like baseball because i'm not going to take one to the face but i did it anyways <laughs> it was great somehow I somehow i still did uh, it. going with a hockey fan was way better than going with somebody who's just like i've never done this before <laughs> i don't care about hockey i got to explain things about hockey to you which always makes me feel good because i don't know that much about yeah you know i like I follow it. I've been watching it a long time, but yeah. I was glad to school you. <laughs> do you it wanna, just feels good to mansplain again. Do you want to explain what we did to mansplain what we did afterwards? What did we do afterwards? You we, wanted pie yeah. almost the entire time. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> no, no, no. This, I wanted a peach cobbler. Oh, peach cobbler. That's right. Peach cobbler the entire time. Yeah. And we're like, after this, we're going to go to the pantry. We're going we're gonna to treat ourselves. And then we walked out there in the rain and you're like, nah, I don't know. <laughs> No. Well, because it's like seventeen dollars to get a peach cobbler. Yeah, cash only seventeen dollars. Cash only seventeen dollars. What what, what? what am I a fur pelt trader? <laughs> Do I just carry a bunch of galleon with me to buy a peach cobbler? So then we ended up going to McDonald's because if the Kings score in the, the last minute of the second period, you get a free McFlurry, which of course they didn't do because yeah, they're the Kings. They're the loser. They, they couldn't even achieve that. Yeah. yeah, but you don't usually do fast food. No, but I do like McFlurries. The McFlurry is a lost art because every time I've gotten a McFlurry, they don't flur it. They yeah. just they they poured a bunch of soft serve in a cup and dumped M and M's on top. They there's there's a flurry machine. Yeah, and they didn't they don't use it. I like that you act like getting a cup of ice cream with M and M's is some sort of indignity. <laughs> How dare you? Because a lot of places don't even do McFlurries. Yeah. which maybe it's best that they just don't because if they're not going to do it right, don't do it at <laughs> all. Don't, don't don't tell me you're going to make me a McFlurry yeah. and then making me a soft serve. <laughs> Don't pee on my McFlurry and call it a soft serve. Regardless, it was Regardless, fun. The Kings was, scored one goal. You got to see that. I got to see it. It was a lot of fun. I wish there was more passion. Yeah. At, but at that point in the season, there's nothing. I get left. it. I've been to Dodger games when it's like, oh boy, these guys. <laughs> yeah, we're here. Whatever the, the nameless players are, are not as good. <laughs> we're here to buy overpriced food. <laughs> Be around people who have similar jerseys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here to dress the same as others. <laughs> this episode comes out on the first. There's yeah. maybe, I think, five more days of the hockey season, maybe one or two games. There's probably some cheap tickets right now you should go they're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs so you might as well try to get cheap tickets you were explaining to me that was that was the last time i was going to see certain players yeah i was pointing out all the players that were about that are about to be traded or just let go or just disappear (laughs) they just kill them and left them in canada (laughs) don't travel with the the kings if you're not a winner i had three things that was one of them flurries are for closers (laughs) that's inside of their lockers and they have to remember that and they have to recite it at the end (laughs) of a priest comes in but instead of a collar he has like golden arches 
it's holding his, <laughs> his, holding his it's holding his cape together because he's an old-fashioned cardinal in the name of the ronald <laughs> and the holy hamburglar what do you I, have I, this month? I had so much fun this month because I, I had three things mm-hmm. that i wanted to pick yeah i was one was of the them flurry one <laughs> yeah the mcflurry going to mcdonald's late at night and insisting that we go to the drive-thru and you're like no i don't understand drive-thrus oh my god this is not the episode this isn't the time to explain to you the convenience of a drive-thru that, that was like listen- 10 episodes ago i can be listening to my podcast la meekly never i would never do that to myself <laughs> the other two things uh we went to me and my girlfriend ada went to the autry we were uh, uh taken around by uh, joanna linkhorst mm-hmm. and her husband fred from uh rock haven fred uh, of rock haven fred of rock haven they both gave us a really nice tour and we talked about art and it was really nice and it got me further into whatever weird country western yeah, mood i'm in right now by, uh, i looked at a lot of guns i like old bars and when oh, i used to think old bar there old is bar, really yeah cool. it's so yeah i wanted to lift it off the ground <laughs> i wanted to wear the bar do you serve mcflurries <laughs> the autry museum is a place i went to probably once every two months as a kid and i really, really like that place i only went one time as a kid and i did like i i knew that it was like cowboys and yeah Native americans yeah. sort of thing and, and you and hate horses. that you're all about spacemen no one had really invited me in a long time so she when she pitched the autry i'm like yeah yeah i would like giddy to up. do that giddy up indeed it's a fun place yeah it, it, really it has it. all of the uh old like cowboy gene autry hollywood stuff is a lot of fun but then yeah. there is like a huge focus on native american mm-hmm. modern and yeah. historic stuff there which yeah, is they nice do. i think they do a really good job and there's a lot of and great... they make the two wings fight the two wings of the museum <laughs> no no it was really great and then we went me and her went to the oak of the golden dream in santa clarita oh yeah which is the tree me. where the guy fell found... asleep and had dreams about gold and woke up and found gold dust because right. he was looking for wild onions the tree's really nice and uh, haunted looking but there's also like a little stream in a park and and is there any trails left yeah <laughs> they have yeah, it in packs. I, yeah i'm a trillionaire what <laughs> it's uh plus placentia placenta, placenta canyon. canyon placenta yeah. canyon that's the real gold <laughs> everything's <laughs> covered in placenta which is worth its weight in gold did you go gold panning at the autry because they have that sometimes no i did not it's fun yeah. You could make back your ticket admission <laughs> from, just from gold panning. Virginia City definitely put in my head that I, yeah. I would have done Westworld. I just would have eaten candy and road trains. And None of that gross stuff. And somehow get kidnapped by somebody. Still managed to shoot a man in cold blood over saltwater taffy. And then, over a matter of $20. Back to the Future 3. Um, there's no third one. I want to have a running bit where I just swear there's no Back to the Future 3. It's like the, it's a Mandela effect. No, there's no Back to the Future 3. No. Back to the Future 2 got buried and we all watched it on TV. But also for the Autry, you can use your library card to uh, oh, yeah. go there for free if you book in advance. Anyway, we've been talking. Let the, that that was last month. Yeah, it's been like forty five minutes. Yeah, we, we, I, I want to wait one more thing about the placenta. Let's uh, get to this month. We have a listener question. Yay! I've been thinking. I've been brewing in this for six yeah. seven minutes. I've been reminded. brewing in this as if it brewing. were my own placenta. This one's from Vero Mango. We want to say it properly. Vero Mango. Uh, on Instagram, her question is: If you could live in any Los Angeles neighborhood, which would you choose? Here's my question. Yeah, on yeah. top of that, are we it, talking LA County? Does it still have to exist? No. Okay. Tell me. Is it, well, is it I the was, Old West? <laughs> Murder Street. Yeah. It's now called Hill. I'm very fortunate to grow up in Echo Park because I love Echo Park. I wouldn't trade that for many other places. Some may call you privileged for growing <laughs> up in Echo Park in the 90s. <laughs> I paid my dues. I would have loved to live in Bunker Hill. Like old Victorian Bunker, Bunker Hill. Hill. On the hill. Okay. Uh, obviously on the hill. <laughs> By the uh, sea. Victorian houses, neighbors who weren't rich people, but in old Victorian houses. I would have liked that. I also, every time I go to San Pedro, I'm like, I feel like I should live here. You do love San Pedro a lot. You know who sent in this question? You were saying where she lived when you were younger was like your dream neighborhood. Eagle Rock. Eagle Rock. I forgot about Eagle Rock. Eagle Rock in uh, Glassell Park. I like that area. I I don't really exactly know where Glassell Park is. It's like off of Eagle Rock Boulevard when you get closer to Cypress Park. 
Okay. It, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, it's just like a little neighborhood there that seems nice. It doesn't have a lot of gangs. Uh, <laughs> but just enough. Just enough to scare you. I've always liked that area. But yeah, no, after reading my research, Bunker Hill and Tempe Drum, I have to go for that. Hmm. You're stuck in the past. I get that. Yeah, Old West. <laughs> the Old Victorian West. My <laughs> ideal area, of course, is the Studio City, Sherman Oaks area. The like really cozy. There's some areas, what is it, south of Ventura, like one or two streets before you get up in the hills, which I do would never want to live in yeah, 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 but yeah. like there's a few streets south of ventura boulevard in those areas with really nice houses yeah but i think i would prefer north of ventura boulevard in studio city kind of near the a place where you got a parking ticket the that little tahunga village area oh, yeah, right, right, like yeah, the yeah. houses just east of that main village which all feel like this is quaint these are these are large houses but they're something i'll never be able to afford yeah <laughs> they look like places where michael Myers stocks but they're they're a little more than that because they have a little bit since it's studio city they have a little bit more of like the the 60s hollywood yeah, feel to it that's true. and it feels very comforting and uh not too murderous. That sort of old 50s, 60s Hollywood, not extravagant rich celebrity, yeah. but like well, well off. off celebrity yeah. neighborhood. Where character actors live. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's Studio City's motto. <laughs> you might see Steve Buscemi. That's what I like. That's what I'm into. Okay. Because while we've walked through those neighborhoods we at have. night and it's very, um, it feels good. Yeah. We walked there before and I get the same feeling when I used to walk through Hancock Park. It's very- Hancock Park does have a similar feel, but that I feel like is a little richer. They are richer. Yeah, but like the, just like the this is nice and nice families live here. Mm-hmm. And I, but it's also not far from where the bad families live. I know. Ooh, right across the street. Oh, Burbank. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I see lights in the homes, but I don't see anyone moving. And I'm convinced that no one's in here. Well, actually, everyone lives underground there because they're all prepared for what's about to happen. Oops. <laughs> Oops. That's right. That's a nice be. area. It is a nice area. I could see and you like there. Like I too. said, I'm, I could see myself yeah. there, but no one else can because no one's giving me that much money. And I'm never going to live there. And I'm never going to be able to move out of my apartment with horrible neighbors. Your neighbors are horrible. So funny, though. What's worse than having those neighbors is having to hear about it. <laughs> I feel like I've alienated most people I know from every single day. You know what my neighbors did now? Guess what kept me up all night? He just bought a tuba now. <laughs> I'm um, starting a ska band. At this age? At this age and hour? You won't be able to pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. That's a ska mm-hmm. reference. Mm-hmm. When I'm 64. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got it out of your system. <laughs> if you have a listener question, you can send it to us on uh, Instagram, which is at LA underscore Meekly, or you can follow us there in general. We post pictures every day. Mm-hmm. Send it on Twitter at LA Meekly. Also follow that. Send it on Facebook, LA Meekly. You could uh, email it to us, la.meekly at gmail.com. Yeah. Anywhere that we are, if you run into us on the street, ask us a question. We'll have to write yeah. it down and we'll give you a month. Wait, we'll give you an you answer me? six months later. Yeah. Also, if you have uh, any questions or comments or anything in general, General, you can email us at la.meekly at gmail.com or if you want to be a subject of a field trip episode mm-hmm. which we have a couple coming up next month email us if you work at a historic or interesting place in the city or know someone who does also hey let's do our plug right now leave us a review on iTunes yep um, it would be very five nice stars a couple words if you want stars uh, you know character actors even <laughs> write Steve Buscemi on the review <laughs> we'll, know, we'll know who did it we, we normally say this at the end of the episode but hey let's do it right now maybe some people don't listen to all the way at the end why did I say Maybe. We know that they don't. They don't. Um, uh, why do I even say it? They're probably turned it off already. <laughs> but yeah, you can leave us a review on iTunes. If you have an iPhone, just open the podcast app mm-hmm. and look for us there and leave us some stars and words. It's nice. You also find us on YouTube. It might be, it might be easier for you to listen to us there if that's your thing. If you yeah. don't like podcasts, we're on YouTube. All the episodes are streaming right now. Also on Tumblr if you want to look at it that way. EllieMeekly.tumblr.com And we also, last plug of the night, oh, yeah. have a show coming up on April 6th. We're going to be doing stand-up on Townies, which is a great show down at Skip Town Playhouse, which is near LACC. Is it? Yeah. What's that noise? 
is 2001 about to start? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the monkey's going to hit the bone with the cheetah or whatever. <laughs> when the thing. monkey hits the bone. bone with the cheetah. <laughs> when I'm 64. Um, come uh, see us April 6th. Skip down you'll get Counties. humor like that that you just saw. <laughs> yeah, we'll be doing stand-up comedy. Yeah, It'll not be together. Not together. Separately. And I, despite what picture I sent to them to use as my headshot, which they didn't end up using, where I'm standing next to a Bob Baker marionette, I will not be doing ventriloquism. <laughs> <laughs> Although, maybe. May- who knows? Okay, are we ready to talk about what Yeah, let's get about? into this month. Let's Stop dwelling on the past and the future, and let's start fretting about the present. This month, we're- I get there, the <laughs> past. Future's back door is the past. I meant it to sound dirty, and it just sounded stupid. Go ahead. It meant to sound dirty. It actually sounded squeaky clean, and I apologize for that. <laughs> that I went uh, not blue. I went beige. So- you don't know colors. <laughs> I know colors. What's the opposite of blue? Beige. <laughs> so this month, we're going to be talking about another cornerstone of the city. We're going to be talking about freeways. Mm-hmm. Freeways, highways, roadways, byways. Mm-hmm. I'm working on Dr. Seuss books. <laughs> Dr. Seuss's Guide to Urban Planning. I'm trying to remember the lyrics from Joni Mitchell, but they're not the, what I thought they were. Will you still need me? Yeah. Will you still feed me <laughs> when I'm Joni Mitchell? <laughs> no. We've told you, Joni. No. <laughs> Pull the plug. Yeah. Freeways. Yeah. An essential part of the city now. Because it's really something you think about all the time, but you never think about it. Because when I was doing this research and reading about like how they were designed, why they were designed that way, as I was like, I'd be doing this research at work mm-hmm. and then I'd drive home and I'd be like, wow. Wow, the curves on oh this road. God. Look at there's so many lanes. That's so that this won't happen. <laughs> you don't think about not just how important and how thoughtfully they were designed, not in all cases, yeah. not to all people, yeah. but also how catastrophically terrible the city would be if we didn't have mm-hmm. these. There's such a push and pull about everything. And yeah, it was progress. It pushed us to the next evolution of what the city was going to become. But to do that, something has to ha- suffer. Exactly. And it's- <laughs> Hey, bring, let's bring it back to 2001. The, oh on, the only races that advance are the ones that kill. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of readings I went through, they were talking about that. There's a passage in one of the Joan Didion books where she talks about being on the freeway as almost like not therapeutic, but not meditative. You enter this soul me- crushing, soul crushing. It's the psychic thing being on the freeway and going at a high speed. It's a different experience than anyone had really <laughs> yeah. before, it, unless you were like in the war going at high speeds, escaping from it. Like it was just not something that regular civilians never went that fast on their own that and never would control of. But let's just let's get, just into, get it. into it. There, we could say it so much better with the words of the past. With other people's words, I've copied. <laughs> Will he still need me? Oh Will, my God. Uh, what? Oh my God. I've just written that over and over. And <laughs> it's like I've been at a certain hotel in Colorado and gone something, something. Oh no, the Simpsons are in here. The way we're going to divide it, I'm going to talk about the construction of the freeways. You're going to be talking about the impact, the society impact. In certain areas. In yeah. certain areas, what was kind of lost because of all the th- all the things I'm going to say are so great, you're going to come in and have a rebuttal. Well, actually. <laughs> well, and Greg's segment called, well, actually. <laughs> Let's get into it after 30 minutes of uh, yeah. playing grab pee pee. Playing grab tushy. <laughs> I'll take the high road and you'll take the low road, but we'll both regret it and wish we had taken the 134 instead. <laughs> Welcome to freeways. Oh boy. Already <laughs> off the top. I would never take the 134, okay? The 170 <laughs> streets until you get to the five. You take, to the, you take Burbank over. <laughs> <laughs> so getting around in Los Angeles has never been easy. We know this. But whether it was having to travel for a week to get from the ocean to the valley on a dirt road <laughs> or having to travel a week to get from the ocean to the valley on the freeway, the city's always been trying to come up with better ways and as i found out this month there's no such thing as a better way nothing you'll 
we'll see a common theme here of nothing we do works, nothing helps. Even by the late 1800s, when cars and public transportation barely existed in the city, the roads were already too crowded, and that only got worse as the 1900s came along. The state's first major step towards fixing this problem was on January 2nd, 1912. They created the California State Highway Commission to try to address these issues. Mm -hmm. It's still around today. It's now known as Caltrans. So they started in 1912. Wow, okay. They needed it that early on. The first car came and they said, we got to regulate that thing. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) Not on my road, (laughs) which doesn't exist yet. Not in my dried up riverbed. But when it came to dealing with Los Angeles, those guys were, and they have forever since, been in over their heads. They couldn't deal with it. From 1914 to 1922 alone, the number of vehicles registered in LA County quadrupled, (laughs) which meant from one to four. (laughs) More and more cars just kept coming and they were clogging up the trolley system, which was just causing even more traffic. So a new system was needed. So they tried desperately to fix these problems by widening streets. That was the first step. Let's make the streets wider. I got it. No more sidewalks. (laughs) This isn't going to be a pedestrian town anymore. It's going to be like Cars Land. So they tried widening the streets. More cars could drive through it. But just like today, by the time any of those projects were finished, there were already so many new cars on the road that it wasn't enough even then. It's it's like trying to dig a hole at the ocean and then like a wave will come and fill it. And you're like, son of a chocolate blue. Son of a deer. So nobody was happy with this and this it was killing the appeal of the city this is no longer the appealing place that to drive people, i came here to drive not to okay. park i came here to drive not to be stuck in traffic whatever that means <laughs> whatever people like harrison gray otis and all those boosters were working so hard to get people come to la come to la they and they get there yeah. yeah you're here and now well this is terrible because yeah. we're here <laughs> the problem is us being here maybe la should look at itself and see that we're the problem let's all just move away and let ohio have us as early as 1913 people were clamoring for the city to make good on its promise of being a paradise and provide them with an empty road that they could take them from the mountains to the sea, but that wasn't happening. Yeah. In May 1924, a plan was proposed by Frederick Law Olmsted of the Olmsted plan, which we covered tangentially once, Harlan Bartholomew and Charles oh, yeah. Henry Cheney. AKA Dick, they would call him. <laughs> this plan was called the Major Traffic Street Plan, mm-hmm. and it was a path to deal with all this new traffic by widening and extending certain major streets in the city. But like we've already seen, this may have prevented a so-called Carmageddon, but it still didn't fix the problem at all. And remember this plan from 1924, because it'll come back often. Okay. Things were getting desperate, so some people started looking towards an experimental new method of traffic control referred to as motor parkways or motorways, or okay. as we now know them, freeways. freeways. That's another thing to think about. Like it wasn't, an obvious thing of like, well, just to build a huge, super fast road, yeah. that thought wasn't necessary until like a hundred years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird to think about it. These were roads designed only for cars, yeah. which was something unheard of. Like, why would cars need their own roads? There's like six of them. Why didn't you know? <laughs> I know. They're always jammed up in the well, same now intersection. Well, now there's 32. <laughs> Since you started that sentence, there's 32 new cars <laughs> on the road. These new roads, there were no houses or businesses along it, no pedestrians walking on sidewalks. These were paved roads for cars, by cars. <laughs> to drive fast on. People had to wrap their heads around this. Like yeah. it didn't it didn't make sense. Things we know it by reflex, but to try to explain it to someone who's never seen one before, I wouldn't know how. Yeah. Just go. It, like it's fast. it's like it's kind of like watching the ape, the man ape from the beginning of 2001 invent weapons. That man ape's name was Frederick Law Olmsted <laughs> and Dick Cheney. <laughs> and he was the first one to murder. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just a weird Crazy, thing yeah. to 
to think about. Anyway, as a sidebar here moving forward to give what I understand to be the difference between a highway and a freeway. This is a this is an important thing. A freeway has no intersections or tolls. Got it. And they're grade separated, meaning they're either higher up or lower down than the rest of oh, local traffic. Okay. And the people and businesses located next to the freeway have no personal direct access to that road as opposed to a highway where there's often stoplights and you mm-hmm. could just make a right and you pull up into your house. Exactly. It's an uptight street. Uptight it, street. It follows strict rules. It's not just anything goes on a highway and yeah. oh, here's look, a hidden driveway. Exactly. Oh, this is where Dick Cheney lives. It's not that sort of thing. So around this time, New York, Detroit, and Chicago, uh, they had Fork Spot, but they also were already experimenting <laughs> with parkways that were almost like modern freeways. But okay. there was a mostly overlooked proposal in that plan from 1984, uh-huh. uh, 19, 1924 yeah. in LA, I told you about for parkways that were elevated and separated from the rest of the city, which was something nobody was doing. And it turns out neither did we for many, many more years. The traffic problem, it just got worse and worse until 1933 when a man named Lloyd Aldrich took over LA's Bureau of Engineering. And yeah. as it turned out, he was a fan of this experimental motorway parkway idea. Mm-hmm. So on November 12th, 1933, the city's first step towards freeways was made in the form of a road called Ramona Boulevard. Right. You know about Ramona Boulevard? A little bit from the reading. Huh. Oh, weird. You sure? You weren't supposed to read that. Hmm. Yeah, I thought I had put a parental block on here. <laughs> Every time I opened the book, those pages ripped out. Yeah. <laughs> Redacted. <laughs> Redacted Boulevard. <laughs> it went from Aliso Street downtown under the Macy Street Viaduct, then east for four miles to around Garvey Avenue and Monterey Park. That's okay. where it went. It had no stop signs or stoplights along the way. This was the first road in LA specifically designed for cars to get from one place to another fast. It had nine bridges crossing over it for the regular street traffic. And it opened, it was either April 15th or 20th in 19. 1935. It cost $877,000. It was known as the airline route. And when it opened, it had no center divider, which led to 77 injuries in the first three years before they finally put in a steel divider. Because if you thought enough to, hey, maybe we should have a super fast road, you don't then think, maybe we should have safety on it. Yeah. I think about the early years of driving a lot when you see old footage of just like crisscrossing traffic. Like how many years before there was a turn lane or a signal or anything, like lines in the road? Aren't there stories of people that jump out of the way when that guy shot that in the first movie or the, when the train pulled into the station, they all jumped out of the way? When, when that old cowboy from the Gene Autry Museum <laughs> shot at that train that was coming at him from the other screen in the next theater. <laughs> There's stories of just people that like cars were going like three miles per hour and someone's just standing in the middle of the road, not believing what they're seeing and a three mile per hour car comes and runs them over because yeah. they can't move. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is people were stupid back then. <laughs> they're stupid now. This road was widened in the 40s to make more room and it was renamed the Ramona Freeway, but it's not really there anymore, but the 10 does go along part of where it used to be. So this was a start, but it was still a long way from what we have now. In 1937, the Automobile Club of Southern California made their own report on the future of motorways that included interesting new ideas like on and off ramps and elaborate cloverleaf shaped interchanges of different motorways intersecting and elevated roads above the regular traffic that went straight through buildings in the city. I want to drive to the ninth floor, please. (laughs) You drive straight to your cubicle. (laughs) With new ideas like these, the next huge step was taken towards the car deep impact that we live in today. Funny. That's a joke that we almost used in the intro. But then we decided, mm, let's do something about drugs. <laughs> this next leap, something of an evolutionary leap, it's as if the city touched the monolith. And <laughs> the next thing was called the Arroyo Seco Parkway. <sighs> 
plans for this were around since 1911, but those plans were a literal parkway, which was a string of grass parks connecting Elysian Park to Highland Park. Maybe the first interesting thing I remember learning about LA history was in an urban planning class I took here at CSUN. And somebody was, yeah, it was just saying, yeah, it's called a parkway. That's why you're supposed to go 30 miles an hour because they didn't have cars that went 90 miles per hour. You're supposed to go really slow and be like, ooh, ah, yeah. ooh. Well, you're ruining, you're ruining. Oh. Can we redact that? Can, <laughs> can someone please come edit the film here? Can we cut that? Splice, splice. <laughs> Even beyond this being just a pretty road like you were talking about, it yeah. was literally just parks, like a long park that you would walk down. Yeah. Teddy Roosevelt was a huge plan of this, and he said it would have been one of the greatest parks in the world, but the city had already turned its back on trying to be beautiful at that <laughs> point, and in the 30s, we needed wide open roads, so construct- yeah. no time for prettiness. Construction began March 22nd, 1938. Since the road was going to connect LA to Pasadena, presiding over the opening ceremony of the construction was Rose Queen Cheryl Walker, who pulled the lever on the steam shovel to begin construction. It was paid for by a joint effort from the city of LA, the state of California, some gas taxes, the WPA and the PWA and TWA got involved. (laughs) It was a big uh, WPA project, wasn't it? Yeah, it was one of those depression era sort of, let's get get America back to work. (laughs) But who can afford cars? Uh, (laughs) Not these boys. (laughs) In depression era Los Angeles, road drives you. (laughs) In charge of the project were two men named Spencer V. Cortelieu and A.D. Griffin and was slowly built and opened in three separate stages. That's the thing with all of these roadways. I really wanted to be like, it started this day and it opened this day. But no, it was, nothing was finished in one stretch. We've got six exits. Yeah. It took you eight miles and then four years. to get back on the streets and then take a turn and then get on this other road that'll eventually connect when your children are born. I'm sure all of that was just traffic. People having the same thought as you. Yeah. Just a nightmare. (laughs) Everybody just rear-ending each other (laughs) because they didn't realize the freeway's not built yet. (laughs) Everything was just built in sections because it took so long that you couldn't just leave huge parts of the city closed off to traffic when it was being built. So like we said, it would just be just go fast and then slow down and then go fast and then slow down again. <laughs> the first section here opened in 1940. It went six miles from Glen Arm Street in Pasadena yeah. to Avenue 22. So it didn't even actually connect downtown LA yet. It stopped just before the river. Like Highland Park, yeah. A little further, maybe. Ooh, Glassell Park, are you familiar with that? This route actually followed the one that was originally proposed in that traffic plan from 1924. Oh, okay. So that had a lot of impact on the rest of the future of planning. The opening ceremony had a fake reenactment of the land being passed from people who weren't Native Americans pretending to be Native Americans passing the land to the LA government and a new Rose Queen was present named Sally Stanton. Do you know that the actors there dressed in Native American Hollywood costume wear, they sat cross-legged, which is what they call Indian style, Mm -hmm. and passed a peace pipe between Mm. them to the city government? Did they say that this is a highway? (laughs) Yeah, I read that and I thought, all of this is about California conquest. (laughs) I was reading another thing, not to deter too much of what you're doing. Mm. Uh, Redacted Redacted redacted, redacted, redacted. There's so many weird things like that where you, it's like, oh, it's a cute idea. But then if you read them into it more, you're like, they're just like passing the buck and cutifying all the stuff that that's happened before. Yeah. The editors of the publication, California Highways and Public Works, which was a publication just about freeways and transportation stuff, they paid homage in an editorial where they commemorated California's first pioneers. You want to guess who it was? It was Junipero Serra, Portola, and Baptista de Anza, all Spaniards. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. All <laughs> I, this is about California Are you conquest. surprised? <laughs> no, I'm just upset. Be glad that they didn't take credit for them being the first people there. <laughs> that it was an appropriation festival and then it got open. <laughs> so Pasadena had a lot to say, both good and bad, about this new road being opened, which... Yeah, what did Pasadena have to say about this? Um, no. <laughs> uh, on the one hand, there were groups like Preferred Pasadena, felt it would encourage people who work downtown to buy homes in Pasadena. So yeah. they wanted this. At the time, people would work downtown and they would live west of downtown because there were, you know, it was easy to get there but this group was marketing Pasadena saying live east instead of west to have a better commute and avoid the unpleasantness of having the blinding sun in your face both ways to and from work okay that's, that's science a, it, it's that's science yeah. but they were dressed like Native Americans when they said it <laughs> then on the other hand were groups like the Pasadena Park Protection Association who felt the road would make things ugly and polluted and would displace people which mm-hmm. is a viewpoint Greg will be getting into later because bleeding heart liberal is gonna <laughs> I just want to look like one of the background characters in that scene from Peter Pan yeah. the cartoon <laughs> Say you're a codfish. (laughs) Say it. (laughs) So nothing could stop this road. And it was opened anyway. It came complete with a center divider and it had long, smooth curves. Hell yeah. To accommodate the high speeds of the modern automobile, like you were saying, so they wouldn't go flying off the road when the road turned. That being said, there was no speed limit on the road at first because... Cars couldn't go that fast to break the law. Or whatever. These aren't dangerous. Do whatever you want. There were no grade crossings for cross traffic or trolleys to stop for. And they had nice native plants planted along it so they could advertise it as a pleasure road. It's very nice. It I'm is. sure then it was even nicer. But it's, it's, we'll get to, into how scary it is. It cost a little over a million dollars to okay. build it, and it became the new path of Route 66 and cut down the travel time from Pasadena to downtown LA from 27 minutes to 12 minutes. That's pretty good. Which is why after just two months of being open, it already had major traffic problems. <laughs> I got this new road that nobody knows about. <laughs> yeah. There were just too many cars, and it wasn't yeah. until 1943 when 2.2 more miles were added to it, taking it through Elysian Park and the four Figueroa Street tunnels, which has been built in 19... 1931. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. To they are day, nice tunnels. Beautiful. Yeah, and that's why I always wondered, like, what is this weird? It almost looks like there's a tiny little road there's running road onto down here. here. There's a little road, road down here. Can we take this little road? <laughs> that same year, 1943, they banned trucks and buses from taking it to try to clear up some of the congestion. It didn't work. The third section of this road wasn't done until a decade later, but we'll get to that a little bit later. But meanwhile, this road, depending on how exactly you define a freeway, is considered by many to be the first freeway in the United States. That's cool. It depends how you define a freeway, though. Some, some like... Some like it hot. Uh, some, some like to say it was only the first freeway in the Western United States right. because, like I said, there was some stuff in like New York and Chicago. Chicago yeah. But if you look at what it was with the curves and the signals for slower traffic, just look at its curves. It, they're undeniable. Just put your hand on the curves. <laughs> I love my curvy freeway. <laughs> it had signals for slower traffic to stay to the right and things like that. It was more like a modern freeway than what was on the East Coast. So we could argue this was the first one. It may not have been the first of this concept, but it was definitely the biggest and it was definitely the most impressive and it was definitely the first limited access high speed state highway without a toll in the entire country. So it was a free way to drive. I'm in. All Are you invest. pitching to me right now? $500,000 for 10%. <laughs> but you got to tell me now. You got to tell, tell me now. Uh, Mr. Wonderful taught me that. <laughs> this was a step towards the future and all the freeways that came after it in LA, California, the United States, and then the whole world were modeled after the Arroyo Seco Parkway. So that it was it was the nut. It was yeah. the seed that started everything. Everything I wish, grew out of it. I wish they kept the angles of the off-ramps and everyone replicated that. Yeah, I I wish the off-ramps were shorter than the length of a modern car. I wish the (laughs) on-ramp was a literal stop sign where you're completely stopped and then you have to go almost 90 
degrees yeah, and to you, catch you up. get in at the fast lane <laughs> you back out of your driveway and somehow you're in the carpool lane that's what i wish all freeways were like for this reason that's for this reason i'm out i also learned that from also Shark that's why it's been designated a state scenic highway a national scenic byway a historical engineering landmark by the american society of civil engineers and a national historic landmark that freeway is which is weird yeah the freeway it, is a, a national yeah. historic <laughs> landmark you should see the uh, parking lot of america it's beautiful that was a long time ago though yeah. let's get into what it is like today it, today's more accurately labeled as a death trap <laughs> the curves i was talking about were only meant to handle speeds of up to 55 miles per hour and cars are like you said a lot faster so there have been a lot of deaths on this road mm-hmm. over the years that's not to mention the dangerously short on and off ramps that yeah. nowhere near long enough to safely get on and off at modern speeds a lot of those don't even have lights there's just stop yeah. signs there's just like someone's driveway that's a hard curve and they're yeah. like oh i'm supposed to get off here and then you're suddenly like in trees the road was designed for 27,000 cars a day and now has over 122,000 cars a day on november 16 1954 its name was changed to the pasadena freeway and became an extension of the 110 but on december 30th 2010 it was renamed the royal seca parkway preserve the history yeah that same year plans were put in place to make the road safer with better lighting and reflectors and some making it a little curvier Ooh. Ooh. Mm, yes yes it's a thick road <laughs> i've seen cars flip over I've seen on cars it. too really you've seen a car flip yeah i've seen cars flip i've seen cars hit the railings on both the shoulder and the it's, the divider it's like mario kart it is a lot like mario kart it's yeah not it's, pretty safe. Scary. it's I don't, not a safe road i am pretty comfortable texting and driving i won't do it on those arroyos echo by the way this beams out straight to the police station <laughs> so i'm glad you said that uh, and cut <laughs> there's even been talks of lowering the speed limit on that road even lower than it is which i think it is 55 it might be a little bit you lower. can't drive 55 anymore more. Yeah, tell Sammy Hagar. But the Arroyo Seco was just taking care of one part of the city that was connecting yeah. Pasadena. That was the, the Upper East Side. By the 1940s, the city had a few isolated high-speed roads like this, but there was no cohesive network, which was the dream. That was the end game. And in 1943, the WPA and PWA ended, so it looked like there was this was going to stay a dream because yeah. there wasn't anybody to pay for it because yeah. the war was on and freeways had to be turned into bullets. <laughs> it wasn't until after the war in 1947 that the Collier Burns Highway Act was passed that put a 1.5 cent tax on gas to pay for new freeways. This was an LA's freeway frenzy started yeah you want to keep talking i'm gonna i'm gonna start singing powerhouse from raymond scott they laid a brick and then they laid another one brick freeway cobblestone freeways they had back then so they laid out a master plan for a connected system of freeways across the city in 1947 add on top of that just six years later the gas tax was raised even higher and then in 1956 the federal aid highway act was passed partly to create a system of roads for people to evacuate major cities in case of a nuclear attack you needed a quick way out, yeah. which doesn't exist anymore. And by the late 1950s, California was building over 150 miles of freeway a year. Oh boy, they wanted it. They were thirsty for <laughs> it. So with that context, let's take it back to the second freeway ever built in Los Angeles. They had reasonably connected the rich east part of LA to downtown, but there was still no quick way to get to and from Hollywood and then from there to the valley. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do it. But since Who 19- would want to? <laughs> Did I describe Studio City accurately enough to you? <laughs> what am I missing here? I Character said it actors, was Greg. <laughs> Bob Hoskins, Greg. <laughs> Did I mention that guy who's in Blade Runner, the guy who sells him the eyeballs or whatever? Did I mention that guy? So since 1769, <laughs> there had been the El Camino Real as was stamped down yeah. by Gaspar de Portola. So that went through what is now and was still in his time, Hollywood. Since 1769, the El Camino Real went through Hollywood in the Valley. And in 1926, that road was renamed US Highway 101. It had been paved and improved over the years to accommodate the changing transportation technology, but it wasn't a freeway yet. Yeah. Plans had been in place since 
1924 from that document again for something like that. But it wasn't until the late 30s that the first section of this plan was realized with the construction of the Cahuenga Pass Freeway. And that's that little road, that little road up there, right? No, it was the freeway. Oh, that was the freeway. It wasn't that little road? No, that that little road road was the El Camino Real. Oh, duh. Okay. But the freeway is the freeway. freeway. I would have said the Cahuenga Pass Little Road. (laughs) Don't. Don't do this. Don't do this on air. Well, then say that you like Studio City. Say it in front of everybody. Just say it. Say you're a codfish and then say you like Studio City. You know, like Bob Hoskins, the guy who was in Hook. He lives there, okay? Say you're a codfish. Don't try to stop me, Smee, okay? TikTok. TikTok, Daniel. TikTok. This road carved out the Cahuenga Pass route that Portola had used and transformed it from a small winding road and turned it into an eight-lane highway complete with a Pacific Electric red car track going mm-hmm. straight down the middle. We've talked about that road before. Yeah, that road. It, it cost that, that road? That road. That little road? <laughs> it cost $1.5 million and the first mile opened on June 15th, 1940. Every They just want an excuse to dress up like Native Americans and have a party. Have we done 10 more feet? I think I'd really like to try my moccasins again. <laughs> I really feel like me in this. I'm 178th fake Native American, you know. So the first mile opened June 15th, 1940, complete with a celebration attended by Fletcher Bowron. Oh, okay. Uh, he was guy. dressed like a Native American. And then Gene Autry, who was dressed as a cowboy. <laughs> so there's G- Fletcher Bowron, Gene Autry, and a procession of horses, stagecoaches, and old cars driving down to bid farewell to the past. Oh, wow. um, Let's all bid Iwuga to the past. <laughs> now, you might notice that this road actually opened a little bit before the Arroyo Seco Parkway, and it's a pretty close approximation of what a freeway is. And it isn't given that recognition by history, even though a lot of people do consider this to be the first freeway, yeah. since Arroyo Seco is more of a parkway. But yeah. I'm, I'm confused. Let's keep going. Nobody likes it because it's ugly. And yeah. The it does, bowl it, wasn't there yet, so yeah. what's to look at? So there's so many like different def- sliding definitions of what a freeway is yeah. and who came first. Who's Seconds. on first is the <laughs> question. Why can't we all just come together and ask the real question who's on first <laughs> and also i have another question will you still need me will you still feed me <laughs> when i'm on first when, when it's me who's on first will you still need me when i'm driving 64 <laughs> asking of the arroyo seco parkway answer no, no. <laughs> the coenga pass freeway was yet another disconnected stretch of high speed road so you'd yeah. be you know dirt road oh my god I'm oh my going god so I, need, fast. I need to be going really they fast like, right now they were like people movers at the airport like you're walking and all of a sudden you're walking really fast and yeah. then you're walking slow again that's how at the freeway Freeway system was like back then. It's part of Mario Kart where you hit the the ramp when it has all the lighty arrows, and suddenly your Bowser, <laughs> Fletcher Bowser, there. Fletcher Bowser, and he's he, big boss. <laughs> he's dressed like Toad, and everyone finds it appropriating and offensive. So it had to be connected to downtown, this tiny stretch of road, and the Arroyo Seco Parkway also, and that meant going through Hollywood. There was not yet a road through Hollywood. It was in the past. It was downtown, but there's a very wide, rich, populated, popular area in between those two places. A Construction on this was delayed, again, because of the war, because speed limits had to be turned into bullets. But in 1946, it moved full force, and there was a lot of resistance to this. Because this was the first time a freeway was being constructed... Where people lived. Where people lived, a densely populated yeah. area. And it was a historic and rich, mm-hmm. need I say again, Affluent. a rich yeah. part. Rich in history and rich in money <laughs> in that part of the city. So they had to navigate between... They couldn't be too close to the KTTV station because it would be too loud. Yeah. They had to go around the Hollywood Presbyterian Church because they needed God. How wonderful to accommodate people. (laughs) 
Hey, if you're rich in history, if you're rich in historical sense, they couldn't be too close to the Hollywood Bowl. Did you talk about Rudolph Valentino's house? I'll talk about it right now. They get rid of his and Charlie Chaplin's house in the construction. Yeah, I I just had that his Falcons layer. I didn't know about Charlie Chaplin's house. Yeah, they knocked both their houses down. It was very quiet when they knocked it. (laughs) (laughs) It was very comical when it fell down. You know that scene in the Buster Keaton movie where the house falls on him and he falls through the window? That was a freeway coming through. (laughs) And that was his real house. That was news footage. That was was a documentary. Always on, that guy. Always on. Always on, even when he was homeless. (laughs) Here's some of the controversy. Two of the agents working on it got sent to prison for conspiring with real estate firms to inflate home prices along the new route. So people were trying to profit off of this. This one was a lot harder to make than the first one. But because the first one had already happened, they learned from the mistakes of the Arroyo Seco Parkway. And they tailored this one to a more modern, faster lifestyle. It took eight years for this to be completed and opened on April 15, 1954. This time... Bob Hope. Guess how he was dressed. <laughs> he cut a strip of movie film at the ceremony. That's cute. That's cute. That's cute. That's I bet cute. he said a bunch of stuff that I don't get, and he wasn't as funny as everyone tells me he was. But. <laughs> he, cut, he cut it with his nose. His nose went first. <laughs> he said in his speech that he's glad it's open, but he'll miss the detours he'd have to take to get to his house in the valley because Seattle was so nice that time of year. It's funny. You get that? I get. Oh, I get it. You want to look at a map, or do you still <laughs> think the Earth is flat? <laughs> it's not that it's flat. Okay, it's that it's super circular. I, I believe in. Circ- Quite the opposite. <laughs> the earth is a line. It's not flat. It's a circular line. So it connected from downtown to, it seems, in the valley. They went to Vineland Avenue in North Hollywood. Okay. And a year after it opened, it had 183,000 cars on it a day, which was twice the amount it was meant to handle a yep. year after it was oh opened. God. Bob Hope dipped his head back in to say that it was the biggest parking lot in the world. Ah, you get that? The uh, world, which is round. Oh, I thought the cars were round. Wait, I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> it's okay. I don't get Bob Hope. I, I believe in flat wheels. I'm a flat wheeler. <laughs> so since then, it's been widen and its tentacles have spread to connect yeah. to other parts of the city with the 170 the 134 opening in 1968 connecting it to the 5. On September 5th 1956 they began construction on the Ventura Freeway which would run from Sepulveda to the edge of LA County city limits on the west. This was completed in 1960 but in 1959 they extended that to connect to the end of the Hollywood Freeway going east making the entire thing the 101 even though it has two pet names Hollywood Freeway until the Hollywood split which is where the 101, 134 and 170 70 meet mm. in North Hollywood and then it's from then on it's the Ventura, Ventura Freeway. Ventura Freeway. Ventura You're Highway. thinking of Tom Petty. <laughs> no, I'm thinking of the Eagles. Oh yeah, you are. Yeah. No, no. What is Tom free- Petty? Oh, so he says Ventura Boulevard but he says it's yeah. a freeway in Reseda yeah, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. also the, everyone's confusing me. Everyone has to stop singing about these roads because it's very confusing Can we to all me. just agree what's a freeway and what's a road? Can we just agree that there's vampires in Encino <laughs> or whatever Tom Petty was afraid of? So this means that the 101 now runs from the East LA Interchange and you can take it as far north as a channel in Washington that borders Canada. So Pretty you can cool. start in East LA and drive to Canada on the same road and it'll take you that's, uh, like 27 minutes. That's the inspiring story of people growing up in East LA who yeah. think they'll never get out. <laughs> they can... Oh, I'll get out. I'll okay. go all the way to a channel in Washington that borders Canada. You watch. So this is the longest... You're not going anywhere! <laughs> You're going on the 134 which only goes like two miles. <laughs> so this is the longest freeway in California is the 101. It's kind of the freeway of Los Angeles as yeah. it covers most of the major parts of the city. You know, it's... It is the main artery sort of thing. Yeah, it, everything it, else is it just going to take you to boring part. The one on one take me home. If it doesn't take me home, it's boring. <laughs> it's lined, of course, with replica mission bells to commemorate its past as the El Camino Real. The Which fir- it wasn't. Parts of it were. Yep. It, it, it's weird because the El Camino Reals kind of dip on, like some are on the actual freeway, yeah, some are just on streets. streets. So they do kind.
kind of stick to the route. I can see it. I don't think you can. I and think I, that everyone's a liar, except for me. <laughs> I think that I'm the most honest person in the history of this city. I wish that the Eagles sang a song about the El Camino Rio. <laughs> you know, they probably did. The first of these bells were put up in 1906, and they're modeled after the church bells at Olvera Street at the church there. Right. They're on poles that are meant to look like shepherd staffs. Oh, okay. That's it. So it's kind of religious. I don't really like it anymore. I think I'm going to protest. <laughs> take s- them down. Take them down. <laughs> Lock them up. I know some statues in California need to come down, but you're talking about those. They're spaced about one to two miles apart. In the 50s, if you sped on the Hollywood freeway, this, these are just some random facts about the Hollywood yeah. freeway. In the 50s, if you sped on it, you had to spend five five years in jail, I wrote. Five days in jail. Oh, okay. But you would have to go to jail That's for speeding. Weird. What is this, Mayberry? $10 or five days in jail. <laughs> Actually, it was five years in jail. <laughs> that was their plan to eliminate traffic. If you sped, you go to jail for five years until okay. they could rebuild the freeway. The problem is cars and the roads, right? So if we do something with the drivers... If we can incarcerate everybody... <laughs> incarcerate! That'll be the title <laughs> of the episode. That's prison for cars. Yeah. In 1958, uh, also on the Hollywood freeway, a truck full of flammable gas tipped over on it and it was all in flames and a young aspire actress ran onto the road in a bathing suit to pose for all the news photographers i'm waiting for and that and that and actress that, was and heather locklear that actress bob hoskins <laughs> one time a truck full of bb's opened up and spilled on the road so all the cars tried to dry over it and they were, were slipping funny. over again like mario kart they That's... were all sliding everywhere <laughs> but james bond got away the driver of that truck bob hoskins in the hoskins <laughs> bond hoskins in the 80s a brinks truck opened oh. and spilled seven thousand dollars worth Yikes. of quarters on the road yeah that driver <laughs> supposedly in the 70s a bunch of chickens fell off of a truck and their descendants can still be seen in the bushes along the road but how about the west side let's talk about how is the how are we going to get to and from the west side i want to see the beach well we're not going that west the city needed a 405 originally it was called the seven that ran basically along the same path it is today but in 1957 they started turning sections of that into the high-speed freeways but they weren't connected again but something had to be done about this giant mountain in the middle that was preventing a high-speed connection from the valley to the west side yeah. sepulveda canyon had been used by the natives for centuries and eventually it was used it was really used for the first time by portola and the spanish <laughs> then in 1875 isaac lankersham and isaac newton van eyes which was his name widened it <laughs> which it's even weirder knowing that Van Nuys is a place to think like, why are you just mashing up all these different names? I'm Isaac Newton Reseda. I'm Isaac Newton Parthenia. I'm Nicholas Copernicus Chatsworth. <laughs> so they widened it to make it safer for wagons with goods to connect from the ships coming in at Santa Monica Pier to the valley. But yeah. then this road died when the pier moved down to San Pedro. But the valley kept booming meanwhile in the 1920s. So in the 1920s, they were forced to reopen this dangerous road because the only two other ways into the valley, which were the Cahuenga Pass and San Fernando Road going around Glendale. Yeah. They were overwhelmed. It was too much. They needed to poke another hole in that. Let some of the air out. Yeah. The reopening came in the form of the 50-mile Sepulveda Boulevard that ran from San Fernando to Long Beach. Construction started in 1929 and it opened just a year later with the dedication of the Sepulveda Tunnel, which is right by the Skirball mm-hmm. Center. And of yeah. course, there was already too much traffic for it to <laughs> handle. In the 50s alone, 65 people died driving through Sepulveda yeah. Canyon on Sepulveda. You want to make an omelet? You got to drive down Sepulveda. <laughs> Why, what are you getting at? <laughs> there had to be a new way to get through this canyon to connect the seven on either side of it. So it was, yeah. it was these two kind of high speed roads, but there's a mountain in the middle. Right, yeah. yeah. People kept driving into the side of the mountain. <laughs> We're going to figure this out. <laughs> we'll get it right. I promise. <laughs> if we drive fast enough, we can go over, over the, the mountain. mountain. She'll be coming around the mountain. <laughs> 
uh, you want to make an omelet, don't you? <laughs> the only way turned out to be what they called to get through this mountain, they called it the Big Cut, which was the carving out of the Sepulveda Pass. This started in August 1960 and meant digging out 13 million cubic yards of debris right down the middle of the Sepulveda yes. Pass there. They made the canyon 1,800 feet wide and 260 feet deep, reinforced with 6 million pounds of steel and how to build huge retaining walls to keep the mountainsides from collapsing yeah. on themselves. They also had to realign the natural drainage of the mountain so that it wouldn't all slide away. <laughs> Again, this is like, we'd take it all for granted. Yeah. It opened up on December 21st, 1962 with eight lanes, and it was the most expensive California highway project ever done, costing $20 million, and there was a traffic jam on the first day. Oh my god, <laughs> of course. Like, that's its reputation. Like, the 405 yeah. is a dirty word. Yeah, it does have the worst reputation, probably, yeah. but I don't think, I think there's worse freeways to be on, but it does have the worst reputation. Yeah. The first day also saw its first speeding ticket. It was given to a guy named Ron Tampkin. That's on He's still in jail. Yeah. <laughs> this project. You had to pay for the whole project. Yeah. First to speed pays $20 million. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> what did I do? This project has been compared to being LA's Brooklyn Bridge and that it connected the rest of LA to the suburbs of the valley, like right. how the Brooklyn Bridge connected Manhattan to the suburbs of Brooklyn. I knew that. I know that. I know how the uh, Brock, Brooklyn, Broccoli Bridge. <laughs> Brooklyn. The Broccoli Bridge. The Bagel is, uh, Bridge. Uh, I know how it, uh, it was uh, in a Beastie Boys song, I believe. So yeah, I'm pretty knowledgeable Where about Where Broccoli at? Where Broccoli at? <laughs> I get it. It opened up the entire Western Valley to the rest of the city. In 1963, it was officially renamed the 405 and had over 100,000 cars going through that canyon daily. 2011 saw the Carmageddon okay. as uh, we are lucky we, to survive. Yeah. Where were you? I did not ascend on Carmageddon. <laughs> I was not one of the chosen. As God reached his hand out and he said, who's coming with me? God reached his hand down and wagged his finger at me. <laughs> this was part of a five-year widening project that cost $1.1 billion. It feels like it did nothing. It's interchange with the 101 is regularly ranked in the top one to three worst intersections mm -hmm, in the country. A day after I read that, a propane tank tipped over on it and closed the whole thing <laughs> down. Also regularly on this list is the interchanges of the 405 to the 10, the 10 to the 5, and the 405 to the 605. That's three interchanges involving the 405 that have the reputation as being the worst interchanges in the country. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The 405 now goes from the 5 in the North Valley all the way down to the 5 in Orange County, which is why for no reason at all it's known as the San Diego Freeway. Yeah, that's stupid. It doesn't make sense. It must have we meant something it. else back then. Yeah, <laughs> we made it. How about we rename it the Daniel Freeway? <laughs> the linchpins and all this, all that we're talking about are the interchanges that make this system an actual system. Are you going to talk about the stack? I am going to talk about the Hell stack. Hell yeah, brah. We've talked about bra, a few. Bra, 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 brother, 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 brother. brother, brother. Go ahead. We've talked about a few of them. One of the major ones, the East LA interchange, mm -hmm. where the 10, the 5, the 60, and the 101 meet. But the iconic- Who used to live here? The <laughs> if you add all those number up, that's how many families were displaced. <laughs> <laughs> the iconic- Iconic interchange of the city, though, it's known as the four level or the stack. Up to the 40s, most freeway interchanges were cloverleaf style, but that was slow and it caused traffic jams. And even though at this point they must have realized that nothing was ever going to help, LA couldn't have more slow interchanges. Yeah. So they brought in a guy named W.H. Irish to design <laughs> the W.H. Hi, I'm W.H. Stereotype. They brought him in to design what became at that time the most expensive freeway project in the country, this $5.5 million 101 to 110 interchange. It's called the four level because it has four levels of cars going right. in all both directions for both those freeways stacked on top of each other to try to ease congestion 
It didn't work. <laughs> it's located on the site of LA's old gallows. It was proposed on April 22nd, 1944 and completed in 1949, but it couldn't be used until September 22nd, 1953. So it just sat for, what is that, four years? Because the freeways it was designed to link together weren't built yet. <laughs> so it was just sitting there waiting for everything yeah. to come to it. To finish up the Arroyo Seco story, this was the final section of that to be completed. Oh, right. So now via the stack, the Arroyo Seco was complete and could now link up to the Hollywood, the Harbor, the Golden State Freeway. So the city was now kind of connected because of the stack. The stack itself is now an icon of the car culture of LA. It holds almost 500,000 cars a day, and it's been copied by cities all over the world. It's also the only interchange around that's a certified civil engineering landmark by the Society of Civil Engineers. But these are just a select few. These are just some freeways in the city. There's also the 118, which was started in 1968. The last section, which is the part between Balboa and Tampa, opened in either 1981 or 82. There's the 10, which used to be called the Christopher Columbus Transcontinental Highway, which can take you from Santa Monica to Jacksonville, Florida, which is the dream of every young kid in Santa Monica. (laughs) You know what? I want the exact opposite of this. There's, of course, the five, which can take you Mm -hmm. from Mexico to Canada, which is the only interstate highway to do that. There's the 710, which was originally called the Los Angeles River Freeway and was planned, built, and paid for by the city of Long Beach alone. With the, The plan of it was supposed to be used to take goods from the manufacturing area in Southeast LA to the ports of Long Beach and San Pedro. But nowadays, it's even more important as the link between those two ports, which are the two busiest ports in the Mm -hmm. country, and getting the cargo in from those ships to the rest of the country via the 710. So that's a really important road. That's one of the worst freeways I've been on. If you go out too early in the morning, there's just all those trucks, and everyone's going 20 miles per hour. It's meant for trucks. It's not meant for passenger cars. (laughs) Just become a trucker. It's the quickest (laughs) way to get there. Construction on that started in 1951, but it didn't open until 1965 because of protests. It was meant to run all the way to Pasadena, but Pasadena residents said no because of the trucks. It ends in Alhambra, It right? ends in like Alhambra. by the recycling plant. Yep, and then it connects to the 10 because Pasadena did not want a bunch of trucks going it's through. Pasadena is prissy. Go ahead, sorry. Pasadena, you're a prude. You're a prude. Say you're a codfish. <laughs> Aside from freeways, there's things called, there's state routes, which aren't quite freeways, but they just kind of connect between freeways, like the 134 is a state route. Okay. Then there's something like the Angeles Crest Highway, which also isn't a freeway, but it kind of is. That, is it like the 210 Yeah, exactly. Okay. It was started the one that goes into and no above that into the the oh. forest the angela uh, into angela the woods over the river and into the woods <laughs> uh, when i'm 64 it was started in 1929 and it took 27 years and <laughs> countless homeless men chinese people and prisoners from san quentin to blast through the mountains wow. to make the angeles crest highway this is now known as the two but it connects to state route two also known as the glendale freeway which you're talking about yeah. even though it's a state route and not a freeway Again, I'm confused. I don't yeah. understand any of this. The best count I got was that LA County has nine freeways, official freeways. Official freeways. The 5, 10, 101, 105, 110, 210, 405, 605, and 10. Those okay. are our freeways. Then there's 29 state routes giving the city 38 of these types of super fast roads around okay. LA. So around LA, there's about 900 miles combined of freeway and highway crisscrossing yeah. all of this. But all booms and frenzies that don't really fix the problem, but just barely avert crisis must end. The exact roots of all these roads have been slightly tweaked and widened over the years, but the construction started slowing down in the 60s and 70s. Uh, 1959 was the California Freeway System Plan that called for 12,248 miles of freeway all across California. But by 1975, that plan was abandoned because they just ran out of money. Uh, 
<laughs> that sounds like something that would happen when you have a crazy plan like that. <laughs> the higher speed of cars meant freeways would need more room to curve smoothly so people wouldn't go flying off the sides and that meant more land. And by the 60s, LA was becoming so developed and so densely yeah. populated that it would have caused multiple fortunes to pay for what had to be done to build new freeways. And it would have caused a minor civil war if that many people had to be uprooted yeah. for new freeways. Land value was going up and people weren't voting to approve new taxes to pay for this because public opinion had shifted so mm-hmm. strongly strongly against freeways, as you'll get into. By 1980, each mile of freeway in LA would have cost $16.7 million for one mile of freeway. The last freeway to be opened in LA was the 105. It finally opened in 1993 and caused so much fighting and uproar and had so many delays that it cost $2.2 billion to make it, which was the most expensive road ever built in the (laughs) United States. There were plans for several more roads that never panned out. There were supposed to be the Whitnall Parkway that would connect Burbank to Chatsworth. Yeah. The Crenshaw Parkway, which would connect Hollywood to Inglewood via La Brea. In 1949, they proposed the Laurel Canyon Freeway to connect the 101 to the 405, but going north and south through Laurel Canyon, Highland, La Brea, and La Cienega. They built a tiny stretch of it around La Cienega and Slauson near Pans, which is why okay. that little stretch of road where you oh, kind of go near yeah. Seas Candy. It's like a, it's it, like a highway. It's like a, it was. They <laughs> built, That was supposed to be like the first part connecting for the Laurel Canyon Freeway. I always wonder about that. It's weird. There was the Slauson Freeway and the 50s, which was supposed to connect the 90 in Marina del Rey to the 90 in Anaheim. So instead, that 90 just ends. In 1964, they proposed a Beverly Hills Freeway, mm, which with could, one. it would connect. Yeah, it would connect the 101 to the 405 between Santa Monica and Melrose. So that got shut down real quick. Yeah, that's why the two ends in Echo Park and picks back up in East Hollywood, because that whole area was kind of set aside as a potential interchange for the Beverly Hills Freeway. Yeah. There was You would have been displaced. There were also talks of connecting the 710 to the 210 via an underground tunnel which would have been the longest of that kind oh. of tunnel in California, but it would have cost billions of dollars, so yeah. the plan fell apart. No one has to move, <laughs> but we're going to be under your house. You might fall into the freeway. <laughs> you know how you say you hate being on the freeway? How about <laughs> above the freeway? <laughs> you didn't say anything about dropping from above. <laughs> there is one new freeway coming up. It would connect Palmdale and Lancaster to Victorville and Apple Valley, way up north in LA okay. County, going about 63 miles and costing $8 billion, but the cost and the environmental impact it's causing a lot of controversy, so we'll see if that actually happens. Here's my one final piece of trivia that's not really important. The reason people from LA put the word the in front of a freeway, uh, which apparently nobody else does. Uh, do we're, you, because we're the best. Yeah. <laughs> do you know this? No. It's because originally all of our freeways had descriptive names like the San Bernardino Freeway, the Hollywood Freeway, but eventually the state highway people started giving out numbers to all these roads. And as more roads kept getting built, there was a lot of overlap and repeating numbers. Like the Arroyo Seco Parkway at one point was called Route 6, 66, and 99. So it was three different roads. So in 1964, California cleaned up all of this and gave definitive numbers to all the roads. So by the 70s, the descriptive names were useless and the roads were just numbers. But people in LA were used to saying the Golden State Freeway right. that they just kept the the and referred to it as the five because it was more natural. Yeah. yeah, well, it's a better way to say it. It's a it's a more I don't know cool and efficient. Add yeah. more syllables. Oh yeah, I take five to ten. Shut up. What are you talking about? They're dumb. That- they don't know. They they're trying to add. That's what they're talking about. <laughs> Hello, this is Jarring. We forgot to mention that this is the midpoint of the episode, so we want to remind you to use the ForkSpot app, promo code MEEKLY, to get $15 worth of credit towards picking up some food and then coming back and listening to the rest of the episode. Good idea. Right, Greg? Greg's not here. Back to the show.
Um, but yeah, that's how they were built. Now, who was anyone affected by this? Um, no. Let's go home early. <laughs> End of episode, everything worked out. Let's go home early and beat the traffic. <laughs> My segment is called A Freeway Runs Through It because I like movie references too. It's also a book. <laughs> Prove it. So you're probably thinking, yeah, the freeways and the highways and the byways of LA are now an integral part. How about part. the bi-curious? Are we going to be talking about them in this episode? Oh, yeah, exclusively. Freeway that goes through West Hollywood. Um, they call that a bi-curious <laughs> way. Oh, wait, that's a joke I just made. So we think, okay, freeway is the integral part of the city, and they've helped in so many different ways, and now I can't even picture Los Angeles, California without them. That's great. It was all in the name of, quote, progress and, quote, the greater good, and all three cheers for utopia, razzle-dazzle, Here's what we lost. <laughs> it was the late 40s, early 50s. The 101 freeway was being constructed, as you were talking about. Okay, we talked about it going through historic Woodley Heights, destroying Charlie Chaplin's home, Rudolph, um, among um, yeah. many other people's houses. The silent era is over. <laughs> <laughs> Here's proof. <laughs> yeah, there were some protests about that, but nothing really stuck. They, they, like you said, they were able to accommodate their way out of that and yeah. steer they, it. They, they could, steered it. They could bow to the most powerful people. Exactly. Let's talk about the one. What the 101 took away. Right off the bat, I can say that the Echo Park rec center is divided into two so on one side near the echo park lake um, you have the rec center with yeah. the little park and little yeah. play area with the weird ass pocket little pool right there that's yeah. next to a freeway on ramp <laughs> you have the 101 the freeway. shallow end is on the echo park <laughs> side and, the t- and you have to swim under the freeway yeah. on the other side of the freeway is the baseball diamond and the tennis courts right and all that stuff it's weird it's very weird and i i didn't look into it that much what came first the freeway or the rec center it's or- like a lizard getting its tail chopped off it <laughs> went through the middle and a new baseball baseball field grew out of it but also like my high school was about a mile down also right we shared a wall with the freeway and i think about how much of my youth was there was a one-on-one boxed in by freeways and stuff and i never really thought about until i started doing research on this i never really examined my life until march 2019 (laughs) we lost fort moore hill because now the 101 goes through that or i think it's the 110 goes through that that was the the spot of one of the deciding battles of for california the siege of los angeles was there completely obliterated it's Uh, also where the lizard people live uh, you stole a joke from right under me. Uh, <laughs> Much like the freeway planners. <laughs> I displaced your joke. <laughs> Where's your joke live now? In my mouth. Uh, there's also a high school building up on Fort Moore Hill from 1873. They demolished that. The 10 freeway, the 10 freeway is controversial in so many different ways, but we'll talk about the west side of it. Right. was opposed by residents when it was proposed in 1955. Now that freeway was starting to show car owning Angelinos how fast they could reach a destination. It was like the general consensus that we needed a freeway that could reach the beach. Yeah. That's what everybody wanted. To get there, it would have to split up and bulldoze entire neighborhoods to do so. <laughs> Hundreds of churches, homeowners. We had to bulldoze the beach to get to the beach. <laughs> it's just the ocean now. <laughs> no beaches, just ocean. The freeway is where the sand used to be. The parking lot is what you can have your picnics on. Is it cruising USA where you're driving a Corvette along like, you know what? doesn't matter. Urban planners didn't create Cruising USA. <laughs> Cruising USA by the urban planners. <laughs> yeah, entire neighborhoods were being proposed to completely be bulldozed. Churches, hundreds of churches. Start with the churches. <laughs> we'll knock those down first. Hundreds of churches and homeowner groups and other community organizations rallied against the proposal, focusing their opposition on a, like a six-mile stretch west of La Cienega. The freeway would divide communities. The noise and pollution would affect the residents. And then the Superior Court Judge, Stanley Mosk, spoke on behalf of a local orphanage over which, you know, saying 
saying that the freeway would disrupt the lives of 200 orphans. Oh my god. And they're like, so. So the residents proposed the vision of highways that the freeway route used a viaduct freeway atop Venice Boulevard, which had a commodious median. It was a platform that the Pacific Electric uh. was using, and it hadn't been used in 1950. So they're thinking, oh, maybe the road will go up there, maybe the freeway mm. will go up there. The planners rejected this, <laughs> the Venice proposal, but the following year in 1956, they did revise the route in face of opposition from the residents. The new route saved 47 homes, but it largely shifted the freeway away from the domains of its most vocal opponents and into new neighborhoods of people who weren't so vocal. So now the mm -hmm. new community in its path opposed it, but the Highway Commission held firm and did it anyway, so it knocked some homes down. The 10 freeway also got rid of some homes in the West Adams area along with historic homes in Sugar Hill. We talked about Sugar Hill yeah, in, the, yeah, in the Central Avenue episode. They were demolished to pave way for the 10 freeway. Included were dozens of beautiful Victorian and Craftsman style homes that were owned by prominent African Americans, like a truly historic area. There were several battles over housing rights for African Americans, and these fights originated over Sugar Hill. Mm. Like Central Avenue, Sugar Hill was an area of black prominence in Los Angeles. Hattie McDaniel lived there, and her house, she was like the unofficial queen of the area. Her home was a staple for Hollywood elite. It was like a soiree house. By the time the urban planners came for Sugar Hill, many of the original families had left to other areas of LA, but the houses were still there, and that was a historic area, yeah. and they were going to be bulldozed. This was about 1963, about 10 years after a controversy we'll talk about later, but because the area had changed from its zoning restrictions to allow for multifamily homes, Sugar Hill and West Adams became overpopulated, and they were seen by many people as being a slum. But that doesn't mean that you can just plow through it with a freeway. So the Los Angeles Sentinel, which was a publication, they had this to say, the road could have been built without cutting through so-called Sugar Hill section. However, in order to miss Sugar Hill, it was, quote, said that the route would have to cut through the 400 orphanages. <laughs> and everyone's like, yes. The route would have to cut through the fraternity and sorority row around USC. <laughs> sorority and fraternity row still stand and Sugar Hill doesn't. So you know who won out <laughs> on that. Today, what is left of Sugar Hill is dominated by Paul Williams' designed first AME church, which was founded by Biddy Mason. That moved that house there in 1968. In 1975, as you talked about, the residents of Beverly Hills were successful in fighting off the two freeway from being built, which, by the way, I'm not like, oh, knock houses down in Beverly Hills because they couldn't. But like that route would have saved my mom so much trouble. <laughs> There's a lot of roads. Like I wish there was like four more freeways in the city. <laughs> That's just like 9,000 people. Um, but anyways, 1965, urban planners wanted to build the Beverly Hills Freeway. It's an extension of the two and the community rattled their swimming pools and movie stars at them. <laughs> Some businesses in Westwood and Century City loved the idea of having a freeway near them because they could get more populated. Yeah. But the residents were not going to have it. The freeway was never built. And I would love to say it was because the city loves rich white people more than poor people of color. But truly, what stopped the freeway was two things. 30 years between the first freeway and this proposed one, meaning other freeways were already up and running and the concept was not new or adventurous and money. They had run out of money. By the mm. mid-60s, the funding for freeways was beginning to dry up. The Beverly Hills Freeway, which was is like a state freeway rather than an interstate and it couldn't get access to federal funds so it was going to cost up to 30 million dollars so they're like yeah money talks but ha also having none is awful loud <laughs> yeah, too. money talks but having none doesn't that's how that goes so <laughs> they didn't build that in the 80s you talked about the 105 being built we lost a truly iconic piece of los angeles lore in hawthorne a, a home of abuse and harmonious anguish <laughs> was demolished and that's the home to the beach boys wilson family that they grew up 3701 west 119th street a plaque now stands in that spot yeah i've seen the plaque Have have you? Yeah. A lot of readings, I wanted to find out like, okay, what did Hawthorne or what did people along the 134 think when they were building it? But there's, because there's certain cases that are so extreme, a lot of other stuff gets drowned out. Unless they had a book about the 134, <laughs> or the chapter Which I'm about. working on. <laughs> but if we're talking about neighborhoods and homes being demolished and families and communities being displaced, we need to go back to the late 40s, mid 50s, and we need to once again talk about 
Boyle Heights, the battleground for so many social issues between the city and the melting pot, which is like, quotes, progress versus not quotes, progress. Mm -hmm. Because urban planners saw the future of Los Angeles and the freeways were essential element. Like they foresaw that. What stood in their way were small working class neighborhoods full of workers of all colors. And this was all over the city. The way urban planners would justify bulldozing these communities was to call them slums. That way no one would miss them when they were gone. They'd be so hyped on freeway, you know, freeway fever, they'd forget it. But know this, the Chicano community never forgets <laughs> Chavez Ravine Bloody Christmas Ruben Salazar Donald Trump's wall Kids in Cages mm-hmm. I'm not even an activist but I know enough this stuff keeps the fire going so like <laughs> you're like oh they'll just forget about it it's not gonna ha- stop doing it and thus when urban planners announced plans to build a freeway through East Los Angeles the community collectively rose up and said no thanks most of my info on this matter i just like to clarify it comes from two places a book titled popular culture in the age of white flight by erica via and an article slash post by giovanna perez titled the los angeles freeway and the history of community displacement for the toro historical review urban planners throughout the u.s throughout the u.s worked in accordance with private interests and they all looked to the federal highway act as a means of renewing the deteriorating condition of american inner cities this wasn't just a problem in la because across the country freeways and highways were displacing people and destroying communities urban planners had not like here though we did it first. We have so much more sorrow than other places. <laughs> Urban planners had little to no official interest in providing inner city housing for these residents displaced by freeway construction. Huge sections of central city land could be cleared for other uses, as we've seen in other episodes, hint, hint, Chavez Ravine. Downtown business leaders and real estate developers clamored for central city development since they didn't know if they could survive families moving to the suburbs away from business districts. So they wanted that central business. The Urban Land Institute, ULI, which is a national organization for real estate developers, they advocated for urban urban freeway construction and a means of slum clearance and urban renewal. So the whole idea of not only do we get a freeway, we also get rid of this part of town that we don't like, that no one likes to go to because that dally smells funny. (laughs) James W. Rouse, which is a Baltimore real estate developer involved with the ULI during the 50s and later famous for building festival markets, which were like, Mm -hmm. they were like precursors to malls. He was saying major expressways must be ripped through the central core as a part of urban renewal efforts. Similarly, writing for the ULI in 1956, James Schuer praised the inner belt expressways that would inevitably slice through greater areas of our nation's worst slums. So this idea of freeways also comes with this idea of we're going to get rid of the slums, like urban renewal and also freeways. That's like a deep core so, belief. So they're basically, we can kill two birds with one stone mm-hmm. and yeah. one of them is actually killing. Yeah, exactly. Throughout the sweet post-war period, many of the Los Angeles multicultural communities succumbed to freeway construction that we know. Before construction of the downtown segment of the 10 freeway began in the early 60s, there's a little area called Mateo. There was like a, a tightly knit community of Mexican and Italian immigrants, all workers who worked for nearby factories. They were people who worked really hard and struggled to make ends meet during the Depression. They were in this little area. They occupied this little area. A central point of the Mateo area was this Cabrini Church. It was a small Roman Catholic parish operated by the missionary Sisters of the Sacred Heart. This little church met the religious and communal needs of the neighborhood's Catholic residents. Now, church records stated that the church was for Mexicans only and all Italians living in the so-called Cabrini District, which I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> Cabroni. You stop that. They all use the church not only for worship, but like a variety of classes and services and stuff. Now, a freeway pillar marks the spot where the Cabrini Church once stood. Like, that's what the freeways were leaving in their wake were plaques about things that used yeah. to be there. <laughs> we'll cover them with plaques. It's a compromise. <laughs> hey, we love the history. We love the past. Just... You can worship freeway now. <laughs> the freeway is the new church. With the coming of the Santa Monica Freeway. And the church goes 65. <laughs> with the coming of the Santa Monica Freeway in the early 60s, many of the Mateo Mexican immigrants 
immigrant families moved and assimilated into larger Chicano communities. The construction of the Harbor Freeway, the 110, which connects the Royal Sacro Parkway, travels through South LA to San Pedro. That project saw the removal of 1,500 homes along, like, south of Exposition Boulevard. This is what the Division of Highways had to say on the matter. Oh, boy. The freeway location is through an area of older houses that some occupants have owned for 30 years or more. Some of the occupants are already older people who expected to live in their homes for the rest of their lives. It would be assumed in approaching the owners of this type that one would meet with tears, hesitations, and reluctance, and perhaps outright defiance when asked to move. <laughs> this is not the case. The older folks <laughs> seem to be... happy to do it. The older folks seem, seem <laughs> to resign themselves to the fact that they should not stand in the way of progress and gladly cooperate. This is the rule rather than the exception. It's okay. They've all given up. We Look. defeated them. Yeah. <laughs> they're, defe- they're broken. It's fine. We have met with wholehearted cooperation and support many times where least expected progress, uh-huh. the greater good. And you know what? I couldn't find anything online as far as testimonials or accounts from people who vacated this area. Maybe they were happy to leave. I doubt it though. Like, I don't know. But like, were they compensated for leaving? That's what I'm wondering. Like, yeah. if, if today you were told we're building a freeway over your house yeah. and you have to move, like, what happens? Like, do, do they buy you a new house or what happens? I, you, I would think that it's not eminent domain or is it eminent domain? It is eminent domain. Then you have to go. But, but they have to but, compensate but you. But where you live? Of, they, they have to set up affordable housing, like those affordable housing units. But I don't know so if they ever did. So they're going to take away this house in this nice area and they're going to put you in a project, project. somewhere. Yeah, they put you in the projects. Great. Don't uh, live in an area that doesn't have a freeway. Live by a freeway, but not freeway. too close because they might widen it. Yeah, they might They might need a two lanes. The thing that really creeps me out is if Chavez Ravine had been a quiet matter, would the same kind of statement be released? Like, oh, they were happy to leave mm-hmm. and they wore Dodger Blue as they wandered into the river. Like, we don't like... <laughs> they marched out to this rhythm of Randy Newman's I Love LA. What's the big deal? Yeah, no, they loved it. On that note, the defeat of public housing, which was the root of the issue at Chavez Ravine, it allowed for downtown developers to pursue slum clearance and urban renewal without providing housing for those that were being displaced. With that, so they didn't. Not in every case. A lot. I think in, in when we get to East LA, I think a lot of people were put into the projects that make up a lot of Boyle Heights. But I don't know if everybody was. I couldn't find that much on what they did to compensate. With that, highways could aid the city in its effort to destroy what they call the slums, which oddly enough it's weird all these slums they had like they were like all multicultural communities it's kind of weird how that works huh <laughs> it's a coincidence it's just a yeah it's, no it's not related slums stands for slavs <laughs> lithuanians <laughs> ukrainians <laughs> and mongolians the freeways played a crucial role in destroying public spaces and pushing the city towards racially segregated communities i never really got how freeways did that but i guess Boyle heights is a, a good example of everybody like of different cultures lived in one area and a freeway mm. came and suddenly this little area is now all you know mexico this side is all Irish. This side is all Japanese. It's just like the way social classes move. But it drew lines in the sand. It pretty much, yeah. And then paved it. And they put up a parking lot. I don't remember Joni Mitchell. <laughs> they paved Boyle Heights and put up a parking lot. But actually, it's a freeway. Yeah, it's a Bob Hope joke. We're referencing Bob Hope and Joni Mitchell at the same time. Also, um, the Beatles. So when they're 64, <laughs> uh, we love LA. So the division of highways and urban planners wanted to put this freeway through East LA, clearing out people they saw as disposable and using the space for what they wanted. It's that story over and over again through LA history and I don't know if it's me but it's always like the city versus the Latino community they stand up in protest and decide what the money crushes them and they're not the side with the money <laughs> anyways for them to clear it it would need to be flagged officially as the slums in a more professional manner what are you talking about the master plan that was written by the I was talking about the master race that was before we were recording <laughs> very not 
Nazi-ish, no matter what. Yeah, it is. They had to go through and do a, a census and an appraisal and relabel homes as red tagged. The label slum, as I said, was an official term. It was based on perspectives from an investigation launched by the Los Angeles Housing Commission, who then sent agents to report on the conditions within this area. Boyle Heights, for example, had been labeled a slum due to the agent's report, which stated that a large portion of the area was populated by single immigrant males. The overcrowded and unsent- That's what slum stands for. Single, loser, single, ugly males. Single, lovable, <laughs> underemployed. The overcrowded and unsanitary conditions were seen as the cause of outbreaks of the bubonic plague. <laughs> Maybe. Mm. And other communicable diseases. And listen. Yeah. Like poverty. Like, <laughs> like being poor. Try not doing that. Mr. Wonderful told me not to hang out with poor people. <laughs> this was a commonly used stereotype that was used to rally public support for the displacement of residents, which would then allow for the construction of freeways. I've said this over and over. I feel like I wrote that sentence 45 times. I know. There were so many times where like, well, their curves were too sharp and it was too fast. <laughs> Several property appraisals had been conducted. Your curves are so dangerous. <laughs> curves that kill. Several property appraisals had been conducted within several communities of Boyle Heights in order to help determine which ones would be cleared for construction. With so many being forced out of their homes, city officials had proposed an affordable housing project in the displaced communities to help alleviate the issues that face those affected. Housing projects in Boyle Heights are for sure a feature and we covered that already. Urban planners seem to call back to when the Santa Ana Freeway was being constructed during the 40s. Because which one is that? That's the five? That's the five, yeah. Okay. Closer to the Orange County. Disneyland. Are you taking me? Are we going on the <laughs> oh, yeah. five? We can't afford that, but okay, I accept. Along the Santa Ana Freeway in the 40s, about half of the residents that were being displaced benefited from the new affordable housing projects that were built for them. In an article in the LA Times described city officials as being heroes to those who had lost their homes through the freeway construction, saying that months of work in moving and relocating houses or finding other housing for the same tenants, you know, usually in high crime neighborhoods in cities such as Whittier and South LA, has occurred thanks to hard work of city officials getting them out of that areas like that. But re- really what happened was a majority of spaces available in these affordable housing projects were given to defense workers and veterans, like people who were sub-military or post-military work. Families and single-income workers were out of luck if they weren't either of those things. So mm-hmm. like they kept calling back to the this time that it worked that we did displace these people mm-hmm. and we gave them affordable homes. It worked then, but it that's not the whole plan. So in 1953, the Division of Highways announced, like I said, its intentions to route the Golden State Freeway to the five through the densely populated east side of the Alley River, which were areas like Boyle Heights, Hollenbeck Heights, and Belvedere. The pattern of freeway construction in the 50s followed the directions of the ULI to coordinate highway construction with slum clearance. The freeways encircling LA's central business district are linked by four major interchanges, as we talked about, each of which stands on what used to be residential areas once identified as the slums. These interchanges- And also in the old gallows. You're right. Which is a great place to live. It is a great place the ga- to live. I live in the gallows. The gallows. Oh, I live in the gallows. That's gallows humor, which is neighborhood talk. Yeah, the 5, the 60, the 10, and the 101. These are all former redlined, red-tagged areas, obviously. Mm-hmm. The intersection of the Harbor Freeway, the 110, and the Santa Monica Freeway, the 10, in the southwest corner of downtown LA, that displaced a thoroughly blighted neighborhood with 50% African-American population plus Mexicans, Japanese, and Italians. It was just on top of their homes, <laughs> on top of communities. I just don't know how they're... The idea of like snaking one in, and it's a problem. Here's what's funny four more are going to come right now. <laughs> now, just like the history of residents of Boyle Heights, they protested the imposition of the freeway. Community leaders, which included city councilmen, state assemblymen, newspaper editors, religious officials, small business owners, they all pushed against the construction of the freeways. Also in attendance of several public meetings against the Golden State Freeway were the Jewish homes of the aged, the Japanese Methodist Church, the First Street Merchants, and the Daughters of the American Revolution, which I had to look it up. <laughs> they're not were... the racist one, right? I don't know. Because there's one group that's called something very patriotic like that, and yeah. they're very racist. I don't, I don't think it's them. I, I think it's another I one. I think it's an, it might be another one. This one, like, I looked, I just looked up. It's like, you have to have the lineage of someone who fought in the American Revolution. And I'm like, is that the bad one? Or is that, that's not the Civil War. That's that the one the where we fought. That's the bad one. We fought in Britain. That's a good one. Um, 
about Paul Revere. Uh, they were fighting for the survival of the community, but to do that, they fought against the official conviction. They didn't fight the freeways. They, they knew that that was not going to win. So they fought the official conviction that the census mandated the construction. They basically were saying, we weren't the slums. We're not the slums. So Boyle Heights was going to fight back at the construction of the we're freeway. We're not the slums. We're, hey, you're, you're the, the slums. slums. <laughs> so they were going to fight back against the construction of the freeway, and they had the help and support of Councilman Edward Roybal, a guy who grew up in Boyle Heights. And the now, name sounds familiar. Yeah, we talked about him. He grew up and played baseball in um, Boyle Heights. He represented that area now. He was like, why did we talk about him? Because he was a guy who grew he up. He was part of the Boyle Heights, Heights episode. Yeah, and he grew up. Uh, not just because he played baseball as a kid. No, he just remembered that. We, I, that one episode we did where we listed everyone who played, played baseball, baseball as yeah. a kid. He represented this area. Now that he grew up and was a councilman, he now represented Boyle Heights. He said that the population density in Boyle Heights was unequal to any other in the Southland, and in a good way. The 15 language groups and nearly as many races are represented in Boyle Heights, and these good citizens have been there for 50 years of in multicultural harmony. Absolutely true. We covered Boyle Heights, and no other part of the city has ever been like that. What pre-war Boyle Heights has been described as. Not only was the freeway going to destroy the homes and the school and the convalescent homes and the churches, it was going to kick away this beautiful heterogeneous hive. The announcement of the construction of the Gold State Freeway had a sort of cause. Heterogeneous? Yeah, like homogeneous is one thing. Heterogeneous is Is that the name of the freeway that drives through West Hollywood? (laughs) (laughs) The announcement of the construction of the Golden State Freeway had a sort of cause and effect creation with the Boyle Hollenbeck. This group was called the Anti-Golden State Freeway Committee. It was led by uh, Marie Tubbs and invited Royable to be the chair of what she... Marie Tubbs? They formed this group, the Anti-Golden State Freeway, to disrupt strategies to halt or at least slow down the construction of the freeway. They sponsored and organized rallies. They spread awareness, reaching out to local paper, the East Side Sun, to watch out for the appraisers are busy appraising, which is true. (laughs) The Division of Highway was out there appraising property value for what they called future rubble. Royable was able to secure passage of a city council resolution asking the California Highway Commission for a rehearing on the proposed route. He was able to get LA County Supervisor John Anson Ford and California State Assemblyman Edward Elliott and Congressman Chet Hollifield to support him in asking California Highway Commission to delay the project until a new route could be found. Over 350 Boyle Hollenbeck Heights residents attended a meeting for the rehearing in Sacramento at the end of 1953. Mm. All went up to Sacramento to protest this. He acquired 15,000 signatures. They take a freeway to get there? I refuse and took El Camino Royale. (laughs) Follow the bells, but not the ones on the freeway. Yeah, you'll get lost. He acquired 15,000 signatures of opponents and presented them to the commission. All of this push, but as we know, it did not (laughs) work. Construction would begin in March of 1957 of the first segment of the newly named Santa Monica Freeway over the Los Angeles River. Land acquisition for the freeway right-of-way began in 1958, and by 1961, families living in houses the state had purchased and then rented back to their occupants received orders to move. The first defeat really did lead to an overwhelming feeling of, we can't do this. We can't do this. It was like a it was like a cosmic defeat in the communities of East LA and everyone pretty much as far as I can see they surrendered to the inevitable after they lost that first battle any freeway came after fine like what else like I'm living in the projects now like what am I gonna do <laughs> and then the newspaper said look they like it they said it's <laughs> see, fine they said it's fine they're happy to move look how much closer they live now the Golden State Freeway the five that split up Boyle Heights and then five more freeways would push through as we know these two massive interchanges yeah. if you give a highway commission a cookie exactly they'll want four more freeways <laughs> on your house when the, they're 64 when they're 64 thank you the community redevelopment agency would step in under the guise of urban renewal and attempt to modernize the area in question pretty much vacating the previous residents and using the land for whatever the city or private investors wanted like with Chavez Ravine and Bunker Hill anywhere where working class Angelinos dwell it would be raised and repurposed that was like the real threat is like it could happen for any reason at any time and mm-hmm. we're almost never safe it was like a really crushing defeat the neighborhoods in Boyle Heights that were destroyed were never replicated that sort of communal experience some people managed to move to the suburbs you know they could, if they could afford it some stayed in areas that became ghettos after the freeways were constructed mm-hmm. for the freeway 
three ways to work. Homes were lost. Communities were raised. Mountains were moved. Monuments were replaced with plaques. Something Beach bigger, Boy houses Beach were Boys, demolished. <laughs> something bigger was lost. And that was a more communal experience. The red cars are romanticized. They probably sucked. I've taken the modern bus. It's not a great experience. <laughs> but with cars, cars are private bedrooms on wheels. And freeways will get you to where you want to go off the street, which is an experience on its own. And you get to go to your home in the suburbs. And you go to park directly into your garage. And you never have to talk to someone or experience anything. And it's, that built this weird silent stain between the unlovable suburb dorks and the gross city people <laughs> that was further solidified this problem between making the, fun of bob hope i kind of making fun of everybody right now um we lost like a communal experience and like i was reading the book and they were talking about the freeways all led to disneyland disney was very heavily into like all the freeways should come here and then they were, took out chavez ravine and put that stadium and these are two forced communal experiences that you pay a lot of money to and like oh we're all wearing the same hat we all root for the same yeah. team this is a communal experience but it's not like living in a neighborhood like it's not the same thing as uh, i don't having know if, a neighborhood I don't know if disney had a hand that sounds like a conspiracy theory maybe but i know that he was very heavily into freeways and he wanted i mean like <laughs> he thought they were trained. obviously uh, autopia was propaganda <laughs> get him while they're young <laughs> it did kind of ruin the city but at the same time it saved the city from itself i do believe that it was inevitable i do believe that yeah it had to happen imagine the city right now without freeways but there what you can't because the city wouldn't be what it is now without freeways. without freeways there were bad sacrifices for that there were a lot of bad sacrifices and what it, like we we got a lot from the we're now connected to the rest of the country which is great i really do enjoy that and we're connected to ourselves in a different way that we never were before even with red lines i imagine like you still didn't get this but well jesus christ (laughs) it happened almost too late like there was no need you know if they in 1900 said you know in the year 2000 we're gonna need all this and they could have done it so easily and just built everything when nobody was there but why would they do that because they didn't know what it was gonna be like so like by the time we realized what we needed it was too late and but we still did it and it destroyed so many lives the city was married with eight kids and it couldn't quit its job to go join a band but it did but it it did anyway (laughs) but it tried to do both things and it took cocaine to stay up 24 hours to have a day job and play in the band <laughs> and then it left us all and where, where's daddy <laughs> i definitely i'm not someone who's like we shouldn't have freeways we should add houses for everybody like i'm not that person but i i also think like but what it didn't re- happen to you didn't happen to me um <laughs> i mean gentrification is its own thing what bothers me about it most is that the people of smaller communities have no voice and if they oppose something it doesn't matter but if people well, of another community with more influence do yeah. it's suddenly like oh well yeah we can we'll, we'll go around your we'll house go, yeah we'll okay. make it work. we'll go through boil heights again we'll make it work and that's what that's the most anger inducing of all of this is yeah that it's not that freeways were built it was that this sort of like well who cares what you guys think yeah it is i mean but it wasn't just boil heights that this no, that, that was just was, one it, example yeah, like you the, said, we don't the, know the stories of yeah. exactly who in North Hollywood and Burbank got displaced, displaced. because of the 134. Exactly. Like how many how many homes in Woodland Hills were destroyed mm-hmm. for the 101? Yeah, the 105. The, who, yeah, what was kicked down for the 710 or the, the yeah. get us to San Pedro? What was destroyed for that? That was the I think maybe the most vocal and because it was one of the early ones and people of that community don't forget. Yeah, it, it's written about <laughs> over and over. But it, yeah, it is. I mean, in East LA, that is a massive interchange. It's, that's unlike growing up in Echo Park where you just kind of like I'm I'm in Echo Park behind me over Baxter is the two freeway on the other side of Elysian Park is the five down the street is the 101 (laughs) I don't have to go very far from the 101 because right where I live is where it has the interchange with the 110 (laughs) I'm near all these freeways and people are like oh that's a sounding point for Echo Park you're close to all these freeways it feels like congestion there's noise like I I, when I go to Big Bear I go to an area I feel naked without noise (laughs) around me because it's part of my psychological experience now it's just like oh there's always noise there's always noise there's always i wake up to a bus at five in the morning every day because i hear 
I live along a street that has a bus. <laughs> the urban alarm clock. Yeah, and the, does the valley have it? You live near a freeway. I do. I I mean, I don't. You grew up near a freeway, and you also now live near the freeway. Yeah, but the freeway, like I don't. Uh, from where I am, I don't hear the freeway. Yeah. But the street I live on is the street you take to get on the on ramp from that area. Yeah. So like during you know the hours of six a.m. to you midnight. know seven p.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, midnight is when the neighbors start yelling. But from like six a.m. to seven p.m., it is just like constant traffic it's not you know it's not like living next to a freeway which if you stand next to a freeway like you just hear buzzing and humming which i guess you get used to but also the pollution is a factor like just the street i live on like our windowsill if you clean it in a month it'll be like black with soot and that's not even next to a freeway that's just to a street that gets to the freeway (laughs) so there's a lot of health stuff like all those new apartment buildings downtown that are like right next to the 110 Mm -hmm. there's all these things of my kid can't breathe because he grew up living next to the 101 me and Edric, Edric lives along the 101 and we like to talk about like, oh, we don't like to run near our house because we, we yeah. just run out of breath more. And it's like, oh yeah, that's weird. That that shouldn't happen. No, it's not healthy. No. You're not going to make it much longer. You're not going to make it to see the construction of that new freeway. God, I hope not. That's the freeways in LA. That That's them. Like we said, it makes the city it, what it, it is. It, it is. destroyed the city, but... It destroyed parts of the city to make the entirety of... It's like... There's no going back. Yeah. I wish we could build more, but not at the cost financially wish- and so socially that it would I wish take. we had a better transit system like we're on our well, way yeah. to having one I yeah. don't need there to be more freeways I need there to be different ways to get around but that also would building re- transit systems is also displacing people I guess not as much now the expo line is on a platform which seems like it's not messing too many things up as far as I know I haven't done research on it I mean I'm there sure has it's to be pillars it's not like yeah. <laughs> no yeah but no put a pillar in my backyard as long as you don't knock down my house yeah. put it in I'm my fine pool with that. Yeah. yeah I'll use it as a centerpiece for my pool or under but even if you go underground those are people. Those are people. Uh, are, are going to get. Displaced. We're waiting for the biggest earthquake. That was something I was surprised you didn't talk about, but it's okay because I didn't talk about it either. Was all the freeways that were like, destroyed yeah. in the '94 earthquake? We'll and get to that in another episode. The 118. <laughs> I every time I go on that big curve <laughs> yep. pass, I always think it could happen right now. <laughs> all those pictures I've been afraid of. That could be me. <laughs> could be Again. me standing at the edge, looking at that car down there. Like that's the same model as my car. Is that a Honda Civic? Oh boy. So any closing thoughts here? I'm gonna take the streets home. I'm gonna, I'm gonna protest the freeway from now on. Yeah. I'm only gonna drive through people's backyards <laughs> like ferris bueller but in a car i'm gonna just uh destroy everyone's lives like ferris bueller i'm gonna have a girlfriend and tell her i love her and then on my way driving home see two girls <laughs> hanging out and be like hey what's up and i'm like, gonna dude I'm a, am i supposed to like you because i don't hey let's not make this whenever we talk about freeways you always go on a tangent about hating ferris bueller but i don't like him it uh, Get in trouble <laughs> live a little live a little the the, the greater good <laughs> i know i keep not wanting to go to that phrase of the greater good because yeah. whenever there's the greater good that means there's the lesser pain mm-hmm. but like we said the city would be a catastrophe without now there's no, we could not survive without it so now any final final thoughts greg see you guys april 6th oh yeah, april. yeah we already pl- i told you we already did the plugs final thoughts oh you mean about freeways not about us oh not about us this isn't about us this, Don't tell people about <laughs> us. this is greater than you and i this is for the greater good Greg. you know what here's a final thought it's the city's way or the highway oh boy which is the same way i <laughs> <laughs> have a happy april april fools oh this whole episode was a joke sorry uh, suckers we didn't do research <laughs> we made this all up there's no such thing as a freeway look around you <laughs> twilight zone that's been yet another episode of la meekly bulldozing bob hoskins house since 2013 you're not supposed to say that oh does that never happen did you just pave over my (gasps) you paved over my catchphrase greater good the greater good progress the greater good i'm being the projects